Asia Pacific Currents. News and labour issues from the Asia Pacific region. We strongly condemn the, the police that arrest uh, the protesters. Saturday mornings at 9 o'clock on Community Radio 3CR. All views of the world should unite by this greedy capitalist. Brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. Good morning and welcome to Asia Pacific Currents here on Community Radio 3CR. I'm Giselle Hanna. And I'm Jodie Peskett. We're going to take you through to 9.30 this morning. Of course, Asia Pacific Currents is brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. If you want to get in touch with us, you can look us up on Twitter and Facebook. On those two social media platforms, we continue to post news and current affairs from the Asia Pacific region. Coming up on today's program in the second half of the show, we're going to be speaking with Casey Thompson from the CFMEU in New South Wales, um, specifically uh, what they call the manufacturing division. So the division that deals in um, textiles, clothing and footwear, uh, In that was the union prior to the merger. Um, but we're going to be remembering Rana Plaza. Of course, the anniversary of Rana Plaza is the 24th of April, so we'll be, which is tomorrow. So we'll be looking at what memorial events are happening and where the situation is at for workers in Bangladesh and also where the building and fire safety accord is at, which we know doesn't help workers at all. Um, but that will be the second part of the the show. Um, of course, first up, news from around the region. And we're going to start in Australia, where Australian Param- the Australian Paramedics Association announces a month-long industrial action over staff shortages. More than 100 Sydney patients were left waiting this week for just four available ambulances, the New South Wales Paramedic Union has said, as it announced month-long industrial action in protest at widespread staff shortages. On Tuesday, Status 3, an alert that demand is outstripping availability, has, uh, was declared in the city according to the APA. Staff shortages have had a significant impact on patient care and contributed to increased fatigue among paramedics, the union has said. It's also calling for 1,500 additional paramedics and a pay increase. From Thursday until the 18th of May, it has introduced a ban on staff movements between stations, including splitting crews and shuffling paramedics to fill roster gaps. According to the Productivity Commission's 2022 report on government services, average ambulance response time in New South Wales increased from 10.7 minutes in 2011-2012 to 12.3 minutes in 2020-2021. All right. In Hong Kong, the the HKJA considers disbanding amid growing safety concerns. Hong Kong's largest journalist union, the Hong Kong Journalists Association, has announced to members that it will hold a special meeting to discuss the future direction of the group. On April 13th, the HKJA, which has been running for 54 years, announced that it would be holding an extraordinary general meeting to discuss amending the group's constitution and discussing options for its future amidst Hong Kong's rapidly changing political and social environment. Chen Langsheng, HKJA, HKJA's chairperson claimed that while there was no immediate intention to dissolve the union, members have become increasingly worried about the safety of the association. This decision by the HKJA comes as several media outlets in Hong Kong have shut, have 
shuttered, including the Apple Daily and Stan News, and journalists continue to be arrested and persecuted for their reporting. If the union decides to disband, it will not be the first civil society organisation in Hong Kong to do so. In 2021, Hong Kong's largest pro-democracy coalition, the Hong Kong Confederation of Trade Unions, announced it would dissolve, citing threats to members' safety. Yeah, that's right. We um, talked uh, two weeks ago on the show about the dissolution of the Hong Kong Confederation of Trade Unions, mm. but that um, a number of the leaders of that union were still um, in custody at the moment. Um, the situation—I mean, I know a lot of comrades have been following the civil unrest in Hong Kong. Um, while we haven't spoken about it a lot on radio because it's a difficult discussion to have, I think that the blind pro-democracy position of a lot of the left was actually detrimental to the the labour movement, the workers' movement and the interests of workers in that country. But, you know, history will tell that story and we will be looking at that further in coming weeks. Uh, In Australia, aged care workers have also taken a vote to strike in three states, in in three states of Australia. More than 7,000 aged care workers in Queensland, South Australia and Western Australia have voted for industrial action, including strikes in the coming weeks with a further 5,000 workers due to vote in the next week. According to the United Workers Union, which covers them, this will be the first ever national strike by by aged care workers. More than 90% of workers endorsed the planned industrial action, reflecting a groundswell of discontent over poverty level wages, rampant casualisation, chronic staff shortages and the devastating impact of COVID-19. Workers at the New South Wales rallies voiced the need for unified strike action by all health workers, along with wider sections of the working class. The UWU has not set a date for a strike, but said it would take place before the federal election on the 21st of May. Uh, Happy to hear that uh, those workers in my home state of Western Australia are taking action. Um, So solidarity with all those aged care workers. All right, now we move to Myanmar. Uh, where a military vehicle rams into trade unionists and three are detained in Yangon. Sorry, Yangon. The 20, on the 21st of April, after a peaceful demonstration in the South Okalapa Township on the 20th of April, a military vehicle rammed into a taxi carrying trade unionists. According to an eyewitness, three people were beaten up and are taken away by six soldiers. The Confederation of Trade Unions in Myanmar has confirmed that the head of communications at the CTUM and the and Industrial Workers Federation of Myanmar were among the detainees. The demonstration was organised by Umbrella Body, the Myanmar Labour Alliance, which includes the CTUM and the IWFM. The alliance demands the restoration of a democratic society and the end of military rule. CTUM President Mungamung issued a press press statement to condemn the inhuman and violent attacks against the women unionists. He called for the immediate release of protesters. Four months earlier, a military truck hit a group of demonstrations in Yangon. A person was critically injured and another two were injured. The soldiers arrested 11 people. According to the Assistance Association for Political Prisoners, as of 20th of April this year, 1,779 people had been killed and... 10,271 are, current, are currently being arbitrarily de- detained by the junta. Dozens of trade unionists have been killed and tens of thousands of workers participating in the civil disobedience movement have been dismissed or blacklisted. 
And in Jakarta, hundreds have protested uh, against whispers of a 2024 election delay. Hundreds of protesters, mostly students, took to the streets on Thursday in Indonesia's capital, voicing concerns over rumours that the government is considering postponing the 2024 presidential election to allow President Joko Widodo to remain in office beyond the two-term legal limit, calling it a threat to the country's democracy. The demonstrators also railed against soaring food and oil prices, a controversial job law and the targeting of activists who oppose government policies. Labor unions, farmer organisations and women's groups also joined the protests, which were reignited following another demonstration on the 11th of April in front of the Parliament building in Jakarta, where police used tear gas and water cannon to disperse the crowds, and in other cities across that country. Calm had largely returned over the last 10 days. Authorities in Jakarta on Thursday blocked streets leading to the heavily guarded presidential palace and parliament building. Protesters had marched there to demand that lawmakers not delay the election or amend the constitution to allow Widodo to run again in 2024. Widodo has denied that his administration is attempting to delay the vote after senior politicians, including a close ally, supported the idea and he ordered the cabinet to confirm that the election has been set for the 14th of February 2024. Despite denials, doubts about his intentions have persisted. The protesters slammed the country's widely criticised job creation law, which was declared unconstitutional in a constitutional court ruling last November, and urged the government and legislature to call off the ongoing deliberations to amend it. And you will record AAWL did report that as a victory for the massive uh, worker demonstrations against that job creation law. Critics have charged it would cripple labour rights and harm the environment. Demonstrators also demanded that the government stop alleged violence against um, and oppression of activists who defend the rights of the underprivileged, including those displaced by government development projects, as well as opponents who criticise the Wododo administration. The National Police have been under fire for allegedly using excessive force against suspected criminals and abusing the law by criminalising critics and activists. Protesters near the block streets to the presidential palace were seeking a meeting with Wododo. They booed the president for failing to meet with them. A speaker read out their demands, including that the government immediately reduce the price of fuel and basic foods, including cooking oil, which skyrocketed in recent months, and raise wages to counter inflation. All very global demands right now, actually, especially with the cost of living and fuel prices. That is the end of news from around the region. It's 12 minutes past nine o'clock on Community Radio 3CR. This is Asia Pacific Currents. We're going to go to some community announcements and then our feature interview for the morning. Join us on May 1st, the International Day of the Working Classes. We're mobilising for workers' rights, decent living conditions, environmental protection, the rights of Indigenous peoples and in opposition to imperialist war and aggression. There'll be speakers, stalls, food and community singing from midday on Sunday, May 1st at Trades Hall on the corner of Ligon and Victoria Street, Carlton. Then march around the city, assembling from 1.30pm. And leading up to the day, don't forget April 28th from 5pm, the annual eight-hour memorial event opposite Trades Hall. 
followed by a 6pm solidarity event, good food, entertainment and speakers. Help us hold the worst federal government in living memory to account. For more information, visit maydayvictoria.com. The Melbourne Mayday Committee is a 3CR supporter. Hey you mob, it's the simple everyday things we can all do that will help protect our families and community from coronavirus. Like wearing a mask when required, catching up outside if we can, keeping indoor spaces well ventilated with windows and doors open as much as possible and getting tested if we feel unwell. Let's keep being COVID safe every day. To find out more, go to coronavirus.vic.gov.au. Authorised by the Victorian Government, Melbourne. A 3CR supporter. Hi, this is Mitchell from Cut Copy and you're listening to 3CR. Please support Community Radio. Subscribe now. It's 14 minutes past nine o'clock here on Community Radio 3CR. This is Asia Pacific Currents. Our feature interview this morning is Casey Thompson from the CFMEU in New South Wales from the Manufacturing Division. Um, we are discussing the anniversary and commemoration of the um, tragic murder of over a thousand workers at Rana Plaza in Bangladesh. Welcome to the program, Casey. Hi, thank you so much for having me today. Just to begin with, tell us what your role is over there at the CFMEU. Yeah, sure. So I am the compliance officer at the CFMEU Manufacturing Division across New South Wales and Queensland. So I work with the Ethical Clothing Australia Accreditation Program. And so for people that don't know, the Ethical Clothing Australia or ECA um, is an accreditation body governed by a board comprised of union representatives and employer representatives that want to see the TCF textile clothing and footwear industry in Australia cleaned up. And so we undertake audits of textile clothing and footwear supply chains across Australia to make sure that workers are treated fairly, are safe when they go to work and are paid their legal wages and entitlements. Excellent. Great. Thank you for that. So just to begin with, can you remind listeners what happened at Rana Plaza um, that is cause for this commemoration? Yeah, sure. So Rana Plaza, as you said, is um, a plaza or a factory in Bangladesh, which is well known for an industrial disaster which occurred there on the 24th of April in 2013. So this is the ninth year anniversary. And so Bangladesh, so people know, is the second largest garment producing nation in the world. So there's 4.5 million garment workers there, of which 3.2 million of them are women. And so on the 24th of April in 2013, um, the Rana Plaza building collapsed. And as you said, over 1,100 workers tragically lost their lives. And then over 2,500 were badly injured. And so it is regarded to be the worst industrial disaster in modern history. And what is so shocking particularly about it is that there was warning that there were very serious health and safety issues and structural issues with the building. Um, A lot of the tenants in the building evacuated, but unfortunately the garment workers um, were forced by their employers to go back to work despite um, the known uh, issues with health and safety of the building and therefore it collapsed and a lot of them tragically lost their lives. Yeah, it was very distressing. Um, and like you said, it, one of the biggest industrial um, 
incidents that we've seen. Casey, exactly. can you tell us um, of the surviving workers? Have the sorry, have the surviving workers and their families been compensated since in the nine years uh, following the disaster? Yeah, so there has been a um, program called the Rana Plaza Arrangement, which has delivered compensation for workers. However, we would say that whilst compensation is, of course, very important, there is so much more that is required. Uh, You know, people lost their lives, people um, were incredibly injured, people lost their family members, and obviously there were incredibly distressing scenes. You know, some of the volunteers that had to pull out people from the rubble Mm -hmm. um, later went on to take their own lives because of um, the trauma that they experienced in, you know, the aftermath. Of, of the event. So whilst compensation is important, there is obviously so much more that's required. You know, workers need concrete changes. They need to be assured that um, this won't happen again, that workplace health and safety practices have been put in place to to know that if they go back to work there, they're going to be safe and come home at the end of the day. Well, on that very issue, has anything changed in Bangladesh to ensure this never happens again? I mean, we, we know that the, the uh, of the farcical process that is the Building and Fire Safety Accord, ha- has that in all of these years been cleaned up to become more than a toothless tiger? Is it effective at all? So the accord, as you say, um, was put into place in 2013. Within a month of the collapse, over 222 companies signed on to it. It is a legally binding agreement um, between essentially unions um, and employers and workers to ensure that, yes, safety um, and wages are fair and uh, th- those those areas are addressed and monitored. Um, it has been, you know, effective and it has led to very positive change. Of course, um, a lot more needs to be done. Um, there needs to be a lot more accountability for uh, the, the the businesses that and the, the brands internationally that purchase their items from Rana Plaza and Bangladesh. Uh, we are very pleased um, that in at the end of last year, in 2021, the accord was um, extended. Um, there was a bit of um, discussion and hesitancy from some of um, the companies about whether it was going to continue. So thankfully it did. Um, it's now the Accord for Health and Safety, and it came into effect this new version in September last year. And so it, it is doing very good things, but of course, um, you know, even more needs to be done. We need to have, you know, increased transparency requirements for the businesses and the brands that are purchasing their items there. We need disclosure requirements so that the those businesses are forced to to publicly state where their work is being undertaken so that there can be transparency and monitoring of the conditions of those workers undertaking that work. Absolutely. So, you know, the accord is important, as you say, but more needs to happen. Um, In line with that, why is solidarity amongst workers important on this issue? And could you just tell us a little bit, just briefly, what what solidarity might look like in this instance? Yeah, sure. So solidarity is essential. Solidarity is, uh, you know, coming together. It's offering uh, support to our fellow human beings and to workers. It's standing together, not leaving people, you know, alone to deal with um, these issues by themselves. It's, you know, most importantly, it's working collectively to drive change um, and to, as I said before, ensure that people can come home um, from work at the end of the day. Um, 
And it's so important in this instance because we do need support from workers and the community for the accord, for the accord to remain and to, you know, have the power it needs to drive real change. Um, you know, solidarity between workers internationally is so important in this instance. So garment workers around the world coming together so that Bangladeshi workers know they're not alone in their struggle and that we're all um, working together to ensure that the Bangladeshi and the international textile, clothing and footwear industry is cleaned up. Uh, it's, you know, so important because, as I said before, we need tougher um transparency and disclosure requirements and those things only come when we all come together and demand them. Um, and it's also so important because one of the things that has really been very helpful um, in improving things for Bangladeshi workers has been the trade union's involvement over there with the Accord and their, their um, organising and empowering of workers to come together and have a voice um, to be able to, to drive change and so we know that obviously trade union organising and worker empowerment is only possible when we all come together and show solidarity. Well, speaking of that solidarity, there is a memorial event coming up in Melbourne on Tuesday the 26th of April. Can you give us the details of that event? Definitely. So there is, as you say, um, it is honouring the ninth anniversary. So that is occurring on Tuesday and so I'll be there. Hopefully um, all your listeners are able to join us. So that's on the 26th of April, as you said. It's starting at 7.45am. So 7.45am on the 26th of April. It's going to be held at the Qualitops factory. Um, And so that is at 6 Brex Court Reservoirs. Now, Qualitops are a a company that um, are accredited with Ethical Clothing Australia that I mentioned earlier. So they're a company that has committed to have annual audits undertaken uh, of their business and their supply chain to ensure that their workers are paid and treated fairly. And a lot of the uh, workers at the Qualitops factory are members of our union that we work with closely. And so it's a fantastic place have that event. So our members will be coming and joining in the commemoration with um, the public that come along. We'll be having speakers. We'll be laying uh, a wreath of flowers um, in honour of the fallen workers and having a minute's silence. Everyone is very welcome to come and we very much uh, look forward to seeing people there. Great. Thanks, Casey. Um, Many of my union T-shirts, of which I have a lot, are from Quality (laughs) Tops, (laughs) Um, which is also... Yes, which which is um, great, and it's also in my local neighbourhood, so I will be endeavouring to get down there. Oh, fantastic. Could you uh, tell us, Casey, do the workers at Quality Tops feel an affinity with the Bangladeshi garment workers? Yeah, definitely. I think uh, there's a real strong sense of global solidarity amongst textile, clothing, footwear and garment workers around the world. Uh, the the struggles that they face are so similar. People don't often realise that there are health and safety challenges in the garment industry in Australia. Thankfully, a company like Qualitops is doing the right thing and is monitored through the Ethical Clothing Australia program and the union there. But in the rest of the industry, there are a lot of non-compliances and so there is a real connection between Australian textile clothing and footwear workers and those around the world. And as I said, the workers at Qualitops um, 
um, many of them are members of their union, they participate in the annual audits of Ethical Clothing Australia and so they understand and see directly, you know, the importance of programs and audits like that and, you know, the need for that to be expanded to places like, you know, Bangladesh. Thank you so much, Casey, um, for all your time on the program this morning and also um, organising that event on the 26th. Beyond that event, if listeners wanted to stay involved in solidarity work, what should they do? Yeah, um, that great question. I think, you know, firstly, they can contact yourselves. Um, I would definitely recommend that. Contact yourselves and keep up to date with your programming covering these really important issues. Um Keep their eyes out for events like the one we are having on Tuesday and come to those wherever they can. You know, if you're a local garment worker, um, join join your union and get active in our global solidarity campaigns. Uh, where you're able to, um, look out to shop ethically as much as possible. Look for ethically Ethical Clothing Australia accredited garments so that you know that when you're purchasing items, they're not made by sweatshop labour, that the workers who made your clothes were paid and treated fairly. Um, and, yeah, keep in touch with yourselves. Excellent. The great coverage you've got of events like this. Great to see. Wonderful. And listeners, you can meet Casey on the 26th of April. We'll put those details up on our Facebook page so um, you can all get along to that. Casey, thanks so much for your time today. Thanks so much for having us. See everyone there. That was Casey Thompson from the CFMEU in New South Wales. She's heading down to um, Victoria, to Melbourne, to participate in this um, solidarity event. We're going to go to some community announcements. I really am not understanding why people aren't seeing the fact that prisons are an integral part of a public health response to a pandemic. Like you, I'm really concerned about whether the data is being released very honestly about illnesses within prison. I have suspicions it's not, but really we need very strong leadership in this country that actually cares about people inside, our most vulnerable populations inside. That's what we need and that's not what we're getting right now. We need to keep Radical Voices on air. Subscribe now. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 94198377. Hey, this is Nick from Pinyao. You're listening to 3CR. Please support community radio and your local music scene. Subscribe now. Give money back to the people that give music to you. Well, it's 28 minutes past nine o'clock here on Community Radio 3CR. This is Asia Pacific Currents, and that does bring us, Jody, to the end of another show. I want to remind listeners to get along to the event um, at 7.45 on April 26th outside of Quali Tops in uh, Thornbury. Reservoir. Reservoir, sorry, in Reservoir. We just announced You should know that. I know, (laughs) I know. Uh, We had the memorial there last year as well and I was an organiser last year. Shame on me. Um, But I also want to remind listeners to get to May Day and uh, before we finish the show, I will play that announcement so you've got all of those details. Yeah, um, I think it's a really important event to get down to. Um, Everybody wears clothes. Um, we're all workers, so I think it's really important to, if you can to jump, to go down there and show some solidarity. I'll be down there. 
Um, and I will probably bring my daughter before school as well so she can come down and do some solidarity as well. Very good. Get them while they're young. Yeah, that's the key. Um, also, before I want to go, I wanted to remind listeners, uh, if you're not already a subscriber to 3CR to subscribe, I have recently renewed my subscription. So um, it's it's a great – It's we, you know, what we do here is really important. So if you like what we do, I'm just reminding you all to subscribe. Excellent. Thank you, Jody. Uh, we're going to um, – Coming up next is Palestine Remembered, so stay tuned for that and for 3CR for the rest of the weekend.